everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, you know, we should call it the Pick 7 Podcast because we're going to have seven episodes a week during the regular season. What a bunch of maniacs. It's not even a daily NFL podcast. As somebody suggested, it's actually CBS Sports' hourly NFL podcast based on <laughs> when news breaks. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this little endeavor. Uh, first of all, thank you to everybody who downloaded, subscribed, uh, new listeners, welcome. We're excited to have you. We're going to be uh, cranking out tons of content all year long. We have uh, an, a 105-minute recap show of week one that was a delight. I mean, like it wasn't like we were forcing our way through 105 minutes. It was a fun time with myself, Sean Wagner, Ryan Wilson, uh, and, um, and, and John Breach. And then every Monday and every Thursday, we're going to preview – the Monday night games and Thursday night games with our friend Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Are we talking about Antonio Brown? I feel like this is uh, the only thing we talk about on this podcast. Well, that you know, it's funny. So, like on the recap show, we're like, "This is not an Antonio Brown show." And then we did take ten minutes to talk about Antonio Brown. And then I had JLC on. Well, JLC is going to join us next. Uh, I've already recorded with him, uh, and we ended up having a 10-minute discussion on Antonio Brown. Just curious, you know, his thoughts on how the whole thing played out. But, no, we're not going to talk about that. I will, however, since you're a Cowboys fan, allow you uh, two minutes and 30 seconds for a Kellen Moore uh, victory lap. Not a victory lap, but a Kellen Moore dance party, if, if you would like to mention how impressed you were with his play calling and, and how different it was from Scott Linehan. Uh, I'm going to try to find a way to turn my two and a half minutes into a play action pass out of 12 personnel somehow. Like <laughs> I, don't, I, I'm, I was, I, I'm actually speechless right now. I can't even talk. It's like, we were talking about this like before we actually started the podcast. It's like somebody spied on all of my Madden games and ran the offense that I run there or like, it was an inception situation where they went into my dreams and like implanted my offense into Kellen Moore's brain. I don't understand what happened. It's like 47% of Dak's passes were play action yesterday, which like, yeah. if you know anything about the efficiency of passes in the NFL, like you should just run as much play action as you possibly can. Um, they ran like significantly more passes than runs, which is just like what you should do. Dak set a career high in first, uh, in first down passing yards in the first half. <laughs> it was his second highest passing yardage total ever, 400 yards and four touchdowns. Like I was on cloud nine. Granted, the Giants are like one of the worst defenses in the league. They might be the worst defense in the league by the time the season's over, but like, that's what good teams are supposed to do is come out and stomp bad teams. And like, I can't possibly have imagined the debut of the offense that they've been talking up all season, having gone really any better. They were taking deep shots everywhere. Michael Gallup was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Cooper was open. Like I think on every single play of the game, they were using both tight ends out there. Like they got into the red zone and on their first Red zone snap, I was like, oh, God, they're running this right up the middle with Zeke. And it was actually a play action, and Jason Witten scored a touchdown. I've, like, never been more surprised by the Cowboys in my entire life. My brother, like, G-chatted me right after. He was like, I was a 1,000% sure they were running the ball on that play, and then it was a pass and a touchdown. Like, we don't know what to do with ourselves right now, but the, the, let's, the, let's see the, them start playing real teams. 
Well, we got the Redskins, Dolphins, Redskins and Dolphins the next two games. They should, if they're not three zero, they've got they got some problems going on. Yeah. Uh, Saints, Packers, Jets, Eagles. This is a good football team. I had them going to the playoffs and I think finishing ten and six. They they can they can go toe to toe with the Eagles. I'm not worried about that. Well, uh, one more thing, just on the Cowboys. I love the fact that that touchdown you talk about, where a they faked like it was a play action, right? And, and Jason Witten fakes mm. blocking and then leaks out to the right. But not only was it everyone in the building and everyone in the entire free world convinced that they were going to placate Zeke Elliott with the touchdown, rushing the ball and force feed him in there. Instead, Kellen Moore does play action and allows Dak to hit Jason Witten, which is basically like, like handing Jerry Jones a, a glass of uh, Johnny Walker blue and give him a shoulder <laughs> massage in the owner's box. I mean, it's, you could like, Jerry was up there just grinning and acting a fool the whole time. It was delightful. Um, we got Monday night games to talk about there. Yeah, uh, just uh, quickly, the the touchdown that Zeke actually scored late in the game after they had already thrown four touchdown passes was yeah. on like a triple option with like jet motion before with a fake jet sweep and then uh, uh, whatever it was like a triple option with the the tight end uh, like a split whatever it was. I don't even know. It was awesome. <laughs> Um, all right, let's dive into uh, the Monday night games, though, because Debo, our producer extraordinaire. By the way, you can follow Dubin on Twitter at jadubin5. Debo, what's your Twitter handle? I, I know I know it. I tag you, but I always forget what it is. Just we can uh, skip it. My last name's too long. Okay, all right. Trying to get Twitter follows. You deserve it. You deserve the love for the hard work you put in. He's up till two thirty in the morning doing that recap podcast. E right, underscore D Berardinus. If you can spell it, I'll accept the follow. <laughs> oh, protected guy. Uh, Texans at the Saints. The Saints are six and a half point favorites in the first Monday night game. We got a double duty tonight. Um, the, this line has actually come down a full point. It opened Texans plus seven and a half. I took it at plus seven and a half. I don't know if I mentioned that before, but, um, I don't know if I like them at my plus six and a half. What's the most interesting thing to you about this game, Jared? I think that the the way the Texans' offense is going to look is going to be the most interesting thing to me just because what they have out of the backfield now is so much different than what they've had throughout Deshaun Watson's career. We talked a little bit, I think, of the last time I was on about the uh, the difference between Duke Johnson and then the Lamar Miller-Alfred Blue combination. Duke, despite playing only like 47% of Cleveland snaps during his career, has averaged more catches per game, more receiving yards per game, and more yards than reception Per, uh, than all Texans running backs combined during the 23 games that Sean Watson has played in his career. Duke also just forces a missed tackle like every time he touches the ball. And uh, the running backs the, the Texans have had prior to him almost never did. So it's just another option they have in the passing game that's going to be able to make guys miss. And when they devote so much attention to, to Hopkins and Will Fuller over the top, to have that check down option and someone that can create yards after the catch is just so valuable for a team who's Pass protection, let's be honest, breaks down like every other snap. And, you know, they did bring in Laramie Tunsil, but, I mean, I don't know if Bill O'Brien is aware of this. One good offensive lineman does not solve all of your offensive line issues. So <laughs> I think they're going to have to check down a decent amount. And uh, when you look at the, the way Deshaun Watson has performed when not under pressure compared to under pressure throughout his career, it's a little bit ridiculous. Um, during his career so far, 68.4% completions, 106.2 passer rating, 31 touchdowns, seven picks without pressure in his face. And then with pressure, which has been like on um, 38% of his throws, which is absurd, 54.4% completions, 81.8 passer rating, 16 touchdowns, 11 picks. 
just keeping pressure out of his face a little bit is going to be so valuable. And having a check down option who's just so much more dynamic than what he's had in the past is going to be really valuable for him, too. Is this only because Duke Johnson went to Miami? Uh, no, Lamar Miller went to Miami too. So I, yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I agree. I think, <laughs> do you think? Do you think that? Do you think that Bill O'Brien will actually let him run between the tackles? Because we've seen it with like Christian McCaffrey, and we saw it yesterday. You know, it's like, oh, it's like he's too small to run between the tackles. That's that's poppycock. Uh, if you can run between the tackles, you can run between the tackles. I feel like Duke Johnson is a lot closer to a three-down back than people give him credit for. Yeah, I mean, I think he is too. He is the, the all-time leading rusher in the history of the University of Miami. He averaged like 17 carries a game over the course of three years when he was there. Um, he was not really a pass-catching guy at Miami, and it's interesting that he's been sort of pigeonholed that way throughout his career. That said, um, Bill O'Brien doesn't necessarily know all that much about what he's doing. I would not be surprised to see Carlos Hyde have like 10 carries a game, maybe even more than that. Um, he's bad. And there's a reason he's been on like five teams in the last two years, but I would definitely see Bill O'Brien giving that dude a bunch of work early in the season, at least. Mm, I think you are probably on to something with that. What about how does uh when the Saints have the ball? Do you think that we're going to get Drew Brees from the first three quarters of last season, aka an MVP candidate, or are we going to get Drew Brees from the last quarter of the season, aka old as dirt uh, quarterback, and uh, more specifically? How much will the impact of Judavian Clowney's absence uh, affect Breeze's ability and, and the Saints' ability to run and attack and do whatever they want to do? I think it's going to be pretty significant. I mean, when you look at that front now, obviously you still have Watt there. You still have Merciless there. And uh, DJ Reader, I think, has been an underrated guy along their defensive front. But the Saints' offensive line is one of the handful of best in the league the last couple of years been near the top of the league and adjusted line yards from football outsiders, which means they're doing a really good job of creating yards before contact on the ground and really good job uh, in adjusted sack rate, which means they're doing a really good job, you know, adjusted for how much they pass and in what situations they pass of keeping rushers away from Drew Brees. Obviously Brees gets the ball out incredibly quickly because he's just, you know, a savant in terms of identifying which guy is going to be open the quickest after the snap. And he just gets that dude, the ball most often, obviously that's Mike Thomas and that's Alvin Kamara. I mean, when you look at what he does in targeting Thomas, I mean, it was 85% catch rate last season, which is completely absurd. And the way they run their offense, they're going to have him in the slot more often than not. And that dude at like whatever he is, like 6'2", 220 pounds, he's just so much bigger, so much stronger, so much more technically sound than most slot corners. That includes Aaron Colvin, who is the Colts, uh, sorry, the, the Texan slot corner who really was not very good last year in his first year after coming there from Jacksonville. I think they're going to be pretty good offensively in this game. And if you look at Breeze the last couple of years, he's been good early in the season, bad late in the season. He had the same thing two years ago as well. So I don't, I don't necessarily think we'll see him struggle uh, early on, in, at least in this game. I think the, the bigger issue for the Saints might be on defense, just because I, I think the Texans are set up to have a pretty good offense in this game too. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, they, they should, right? I mean, like, so what are the – what do the what do the Saints do to sort of counterbalance the Texans' approach now that they have you know Duke in there and and DeAndre Hopkins? Like how how do you see the matchups going from a defensive schematic standpoint? Um, on like like what do you do what do you do against Deshaun Watson if you're the Saints? Like do you go do you match up Marshawn Lattimore and just have him shadow DeAndre Hopkins? Are you are you having somebody lurk around and watch Duke Johnson come out of the backfield? Are you spying on Deshaun? What what what's the play here? I think they will have. Lattimore follow Hopkins around. They were one of the most shadow heavy 
teams in the league last season. Lattimore shadowed a receiver uh, in eight different games, and I think they're going to probably have him do that with Hopkins too. And then that leaves uh, Eli Apple probably working against Will Fuller. I think Fuller has an advantage there just due to his deep speed, and he seems to get you know a deep ball for a touchdown basically every time he's healthy. Uh, in the past two years, despite yeah. playing only 17 games, he has eight touchdowns on deep throws, which That's is, you know, one of the most in the league. It's completely insane. Um, you know, and then Hopkins, I mean, Lattimore did a, a pretty good job of shadowing receivers last season, but there were a couple guys that burned him pretty badly. Like, uh, Amari Cooper had a pretty big game, uh, when he shadowed him last year. Um, Hopkins is pretty much matchup proof against anyone because Deshaun will just throw him the ball. And his combination of, you know, catch radius and, and his hands and his body control is basically unmatched in the NFL right now. So, you know, just putting the ball in his general vicinity makes it pretty likely that there's going to be a catch. And just, I mean, I don't know if you necessarily have someone shadow Watson. You got to keep somebody in there. Like if you go man, co- man coverage all over the place and there's a running lane up the middle, I mean, that dude's going to take it and he's going to make something happen. And then, I mean, I think that Duke probably has a little bit of an advantage against those linebackers when you get him out in space. He's just so good at making guys miss. And then if Kiki QT is able to play, I believe he's listed as questionable still. We don't really know if he's going to be able to get on the field. But if he can, I mean, he's been pretty slippery throughout his career, too, when he's been able to be on the field. He should have a little bit of an advantage against P.J. Williams. I just think this game's going to end up being a shootout. Both offenses have so many advantages on the perimeter, and then obviously the quarterbacks can make things happen. Breeze just by identifying who's going to come open, and then Deshaun by making things happen with his legs, extending the play, or just putting the ball where only his guy can get it. The uh, over-under, by the way, is 52-and-a-half, so you would lean over on that, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, the prediction I had for the game, I think, had 64 total points at uh, the Texans 34 and the Saints 30, just because I think that the, the Saints defense uh, has struggled a bit early in the season the past couple of years. Well, that was going to be my question. Why do the Saints suck early in the season? Like, their their record, they lost to the Buccaneers at home last year, 48-40. Mm-hmm. to 40. Uh, they, they beat the Browns, they shouldn't have, in Week 2. They beat the Falcons in overtime in Week 3. And then you go back to, like, 2017, they were they started out 0-2 against the Vikings and uh and, and Patriots, you go back to 2016, they start out 0-3, losing to the Raiders, Giants, and Falcons, who are not as bad. All those teams are much better than, than you think. And then 2015, 0-3. What the hell? Why? It's so weird. Like, they have Breeze and Peyton. Why do they struggle so early? I have no idea, honestly. Um, I, I, I think, think they're 2-4 they're and four in weeks 1 and 2 over the past three years, which is not something you'd expect, especially given, what did they go, 13-3? and three? Last or two years ago, what I, I don't know. Their record has been really good the past two years, and they've still been very bad uh, early on in the season. So, I mean, I think a, a lot of it is the defense takes a little bit of a time to get into a rhythm. Like, remember two years ago, their defense was atrocious yeah. in those first two weeks of the season. Sam Bradford came out and looked like the best quarterback in the league in that week one game against them a couple of years ago. And then they wound up having, I think, a top 10 defense the rest of the year. Uh, last year, the defense was pretty good, not, obviously not as good as it was two years ago, and, and some of that was Lattimore not being quite as good as he was the year before, and then, you know, their their other corners also not being quite as good as they were the year before. I mean, they got a ridiculous season out of Ken Crawley randomly two years ago, and now yeah. he, like, doesn't even play. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's also just a tough offense to start the season against, and then in a domed environment, both of these guys, I mean, I'm expecting a bit of a track meet. 
All right, so uh, Dubin likes the over here, fifty-two and a half. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, you know what? You know what? I the the two bets that I like on uh, in this game, the Texans over is twenty-two and a half. The team total that's pretty low. Yeah, I, mean, I would take that. <laughs> yeah, I would take that, and I like uh, I like your prediction of thirty-four thirty. I would sprinkle on the money line there at uh, Texans at plus two fifty. So you get uh, twenty-five bucks, you win uh, six sixty-two fifty. That's not a bad little payday, and you just hope they win. And if you take the over, it correlates right. They score more. If they score twenty-eight points and lose, you're still going to make. Uh, you know, you still you break even. Um, okay, let's get to the next game: Denver Broncos at the Oakland Raiders. Has there been any news surrounding the Raiders lately? I don't. I haven't really been paying attention or podcasting, so I, I'm not sure. Um, just, just that was a that was a crappy joke. Do you think that the Oakland? I think the last thing I heard about the Raiders is they're they're moving to Vegas in a year. So, yeah, that's it. That's that's all anybody's yeah. talking about. Do um, do the Raiders? This line moved from like the Raiders minus one to the Broncos minus two and a half. Is that an overreaction or an appropriate reaction given what you've seen from these two teams when you dive into the stats and the film and all that? Uh, I know you're sort of big on the Broncos this year. I mean, I think their <laughs> offense is going to be pretty bad. I'm, I'm with you. Their defense should be very good. Uh, I love uh, Bradley Chubb. I think he's just going to be awesome this season. I mean, he had, what was it, like 12 sacks last year? Yeah. I think he could get uh, quite a few more than that. He can get up into the high teens just based on the way he looked last season and the attention that defenses devote to Von Miller. I'm very worried about that Joe Flacco-led offense, though. I mean, Fair. Flacco is just – bad um he's just not a good quarterback um i think you saw if you watched that ravens game yesterday i think you saw how much joe flacco has been holding that team back a little bit um he's i i don't see it and i mean i'm I'm worried about the receivers too i know manny sanders looked good in the preseason coming off of that achilles injury but that's an injury where i'm not a hundred percent sure i i trust him to look you know, as explosive as he's looked throughout his career when he, when they get on the field for the regular season. The receivers that they drafted, uh, last year, I don't think have looked very good either. Hamilton and Sutton, um, I don't think they have much in terms of the, the, the tight ends playmaking for them. And I'm, I'm worried about a little bit the offensive line. They lost their center, Matt Paradise, to, uh, to the, to the Panthers in the offseason. I think that's going to affect their running game. That said, the Raiders are an epic disaster and the Broncos should win this game going away. <laughs> I, I, I really do think that what I want to see from the, from the Broncos, and I'm curious what you think the impact of coaching will have here, but Mike Munchak coming in with that offensive line. And Matt Barrett is, Matt Barrett is a big loss. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's a, I, that is, it is absolutely a concern. But the idea that, um, you know, the idea that we could see Munchak come in here, and with an offensive line that features a former first-round pick in Garrett Bowles, uh, a second-round pick this year in Dalton Reisner, who uh, should be good at least as a a, a running uh, an offensive lineman in the run game, even if he's not a, you know playing guard right now too. Ronald Leary came over from your Cowboys, good player. Jawan James, expensive free agent signing, but a pretty good player. I think Connor McGovern at center. I, look, McGovern's a downgrade. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like this. I feel like this team can run the ball this year. With and that's why I'm high on them with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I think those two guys can get going. It is this is a good week to try and test that though, right? Oh yeah, I mean, well everybody's obviously been talking about the Raiders offense so much throughout the entire offseason, you know, they brought in Antonio Brown who obviously is now gone. They brought in Tyrell Williams on a pretty big contract. They brought in uh, Trent Brown as their left tackle, made him the highest paid tackle in the history of the league, which I mean, the guy was traded for literally a pick swap downgrade 
last offseason, and now, like, because he was coached by Dante Skarnecchia last year, he's now the highest-paid tackle ever. I mean, that team doesn't really know what they're doing, but with all the attention on the offense, I mean, the defense is a way bigger issue in Oakland for me. They were the the only defense that was worse than than them in the league last year was the Bucks, who were, I mean, one of the worst defenses we've seen in the last five or so years. This Raiders defense is a big problem. They Obviously, they added LaMarcus Joyner, who's a good player, but he's not the kind of guy who just changes the entire complexion of your defense. They added Cleveland Farrell early in the draft. I don't know that you can necessarily count on him to be a difference maker in his first year either, even if you think he's going to be a very good player. Um, it's just I don't see the talent there to really stop anybody. And um, I think you're right that if there's ever a week where you can, quote-unquote, establish the run, I think it might be this week against this defense. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're, you hate Joe Flacco, even though the fact that play-action Joe, bombing balls down the field, Manny Sanders is healthy, Noah Fant uh, is, is, could be a great weapon in the pass game, you're, you're just not going to buy into Joe Flacco. I'm not going to buy into Joe Flacco. Uh, I think we've seen enough from him over the last, whatever it is, decade since they won the Super Bowl or six or seven years since they won the Super Bowl. There's, there's not much there anymore. Maybe they could run the, the, uh, the pass interference offense that he has been so proficient at over the last few years, but I think if if they're going to be a successful offense, it's going to have to come from the ground, and uh, I think I've been on the podcast enough this offseason that if your offense is based around the running game, you're not doing it right. Um, I will say this, that after watching the Chargers and Chiefs pretty closely on uh, Sunday, don't feel great about my Broncos pick. I, I, I do. I think the defense is going to be good enough that they'll. I'm not. I, I, I took their over at seven and a half wins. You can still take that. It's plus money. I think they will win uh, nine or ten games. I don't know that they're going to win the. Like they might not win the division. They still could. I'm not saying they can't. But um, yeah. I I uh, I, I I don't don't really love the idea of uh, of of fading the Chiefs and the Chargers at this point. Um, what about the Raiders' offense? Do uh. Do we, I mean, what, what are they going to do now? Because they basically have Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, a, a high priced offensive line, at least in terms of asset management, um, coached by a terrible offensive line coach and Tyrell Williams, an expensive free agent signing who is really good at going deep. Unfortunately, they have checked down Charles as their quarterback. This is, feels like a mess to me. Yeah. I think it feels like a mess too. I mean, Antonio Brown was already, you know, sort of a bad enough fit for Derek Carr, given his strengths as a deep receiver and Carr's inability or unwillingness or both to throw deep basically ever. I mean, Tyrell Williams is essentially a pure deep threat. And then there, yeah. the guy who you might expect to be their second receiver is J.J. Nelson. And I mean, if you just took Tyrell Williams, made him shorter, slighter, and even more of only a deep threat, that would be what J.J. Nelson is. Um, it's, I think you're going to see a lot of the rookie uh, receiver from Clemson, Hunter Renfro. You're going to see a lot of checkdowns to Waller. I think Jalen Richard might have a bigger role in this offense than people expected just because Carr trusts him. He's the only guy on the team I think he's thrown to like that more than 15 times in his career, and it's just valuable to have a receiver that the quarterback trusts on the field at times. Mm-hmm. It's going to be – I mean, it's not going to be good. I'll say that. <laughs> um, would you take the over or under 20 and a half points for the Raiders? Under, 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 under. I, I mean, so. I couldn't answer that question any more quickly. This well, is, I mean, you talked about the Broncos' defense is good, and I just don't see where this Oakland team is going to move the ball on the ground, through the air, anywhere. Um, I think it's going to be really bad for them tonight. 
It's actually come down to uh, it was at twenty and a half. It is now at uh, at twenty, and the under is minus one twenty. So if you want to take that, or excuse me, the under is minus one ten. I actually I told everybody to bet the under, and I was doing it myself while we were doing an emergency podcast, and I accidentally bet the over at twenty and a half. So I now I have to come back and like double bet the under at twenty even, which is pretty annoying. Um, what's your? Just, I mean, I haven't bet in a while. Can't you just cancel the bet? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not if it's not once it's not once it's in. Because like oh. if, if like Antonio Brown like if I put it, if I put it in the over right and Antonio Brown got hurt, they'd be like, no, dude, you're not doing that. So, I, but I need to get it in before it moves to 19 and a half, and then I get I try to go down it and they score 19 points or 20 points exactly, and I'm really screwed. Uh, what is your what is your final score projection uh, for this game? I'm gonna say like 20 to 10. Ew, gross. The over yeah. under is 42. So you would like the over under as a whole. Like yeah, I mean, I like you know, I I already said I don't see it from the Broncos' offense necessarily, and I really don't see it from the Raiders' offense, especially given how good the Denver defense should be. Um, I'm I think a very low scoring game to me. So one of the complaints I've heard people say about the Denver defense, and I really do think it could be the best defense in football. I, I should I wanted to drop the Chargers in all my fantasy leagues and pick up the uh, pick up the Broncos. I just like the Chargers' schedule too much, so I didn't do it in a bunch of spots. I, I do you think do you think there's going to be any struggle? transitioning to Vic Fangio for this Broncos team? No. Vic Fangio right? makes every defense he coaches better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, why? when you look at the personnel in this, why wouldn't this be the best defense in football? Yeah. I mean, I don't know necessarily best top, defense in football, top, but it should top, be. Top five, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, predicting any up defense to be the single best defense in football, you're probably going to be wrong just based on, I mean, there's 32 teams, and if you pick one of them, everybody else has a, a, a significantly better chance. But, I mean, it should it should be really, really good. They have maybe the best pass-rushing tandem in football with Von Miller and Chubb. And, I mean, their, their corners are good. They still have Chris Harris out there. They signed Bryce Callahan, who was a very good slot corner for the Bears last year, is now still playing um, in Fangio's defense. I mean, they signed Kareem Jackson as well. That should be a very good core of corners. I mean, the pass rush and the corners, that's what you need to have a good defense. So I think they're going to be very good that, on that side of the ball. All right, Jared Dubin at J.A. Dubin 5. You can read his previews on CBSSports.com. You're the man. This, these are fun. These are very uh, very enlightening. I like I like Thank the, you, man. I think, yeah, I know. You do a great job with the previews. It's fun to talk to you. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Dubin will disappear. And in his place, Jason Lockenfora will be here to break down uh, all the news and notes from Sunday. Thanks, buddy. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, 
used to go as a kid. Wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, welcome back. Now joining the program, excited to have him weekly as he is, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're back in the swing of the regular season, which means it's time for Jason Lockenfora, JLC. What's up, buddy? What's going on, home slice? <laughs> uh, it's good to talk to you, man. We, um, we were debate, we were trying to figure out like when, what day of the week we're going to get you in. We wanted to do, uh, JLC's, we wanted to bring back JLC's death metal lock of the week, but you know what? I we weren't able to sell it. We couldn't. Do I have to go back to my buddy Brian at Metal Blade Records? Are we are we in sell mode? I don't know. I'm out of the loop. Hey, no, no, we no, that's we pocketed actual cash for that. That was uh, that was yeah, no, it was amazing. I hope I hope I hope, they, I hope we sold some albums for him or whatever. But yeah, I, I got to check with Brian and see if he ever ran the numbers on his uh, cost benefit analysis on that. Um, at any rate, let's dive in and talk about some of the uh, some of the bigger news. First up is the Nick Foles injury, and so the, I mean the, our goal here for listeners is to try and like. All right, Monday, Sunday happened. Let's try and like gather yeah. what's, what's, let's, what's, what are these people going to, what are these teams going to do next? What, where do the Jaguars go from here? Cause I know, I know you love to bury the Jaguars. I love to bury the Jaguars. Even Pete Briscoe <laughs> was burying the Jaguars on Sunday. Is this the Gardner Minshew show? Or are they going to try and trade? It should be. I mean, it, it, it should be. That kid showed more than enough under duress to ride with him for a while. I mean, this Foles thing, I don't think it ends the season. It may effectively end the competitive part of their season, depending on how they fare for the better part of eight weeks or so without him. And it might just make sense to keep playing Gardner Minshew, at, at some, you know, depending on how it goes. But we're, we're a long way from that. In the meantime, I, my guess would be a Cody Kessler reunion, perhaps. Ooh. That's sexy, huh? That's sexy Monday quarterback talk. <laughs> but, I mean, what else is out there? You know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to cajole – Matt Castle at a quasi retirement or Mark Sanchez at a full blown retirement. Like I, you know, slim pickings. Um, yeah, the, the only name, I mean, the only name I could come up with, and I, I don't even think it makes that much sense, but they seem intent on playing Ryan, Fitt, Pat, Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami was Josh Rosen. I don't think Josh Rosen would be terrible. I mean, like it would suck to throw him into a new system and you'd have to give up like a, a second or I don't know if you can give up maybe a third round pick for him because he's been used, but I, I, I mean, you see somebody with a pedigree. Yeah, I don't think they'll go. I don't think they'll go that route. I uh, I don't. Um, I think they'll say we believe in our defense. We believe in Gardner Minshew, and we'll go get a system guy in Cashley who was there last year, um, right? And he beat out Bortles for a spell. Wasn't yeah. that the, wasn't that America's favorite quarterback competition? Hmm? That was fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I was getting lost in my memories there. Dreaming you of know, Bortles versus Kessler. Kessler yeah. getting benched in the second quarter. Bortles coming out after halftime, and then Kessler starting again the next week. Hey, let, let me ask you. Let me ask this. It's a fine-tuned machine down there in Jacksonville. But do you think that Nick Foles going down on a like? I think it was on a touchdown pass, right? I mean, he, he, he threw a touchdown pass and he got hurt. Yeah, um, hit as he threw, and they landed on. I mean, there could be there could be a fine coming from that as well. That. that sure. There seemed to be a bit of the, the old, you know, WWE don't slam with no body slamming, you know. All right, let me. I'm going to throw out one more name. Eli Manning. Dude, they're not trading him. Come on, <laughs> Eli bleeping Manning. It's a, it's a, no. free, it's a get you, out of jail. You, no, you, come on, man. That's that's too hot takey even for you. Come on. What? Why? Hush. Hush. The Giants are twelve. No. The Giants are terrible. It gives him a chance to play Daniel Jones. It sends Eli back to his They don't want to play. The owner doesn't want to play Daniel Jones. 
It's not Eli's fault that they lost. It's the defenses. Yeah. It's squared away. Wait, oh, come on. It's poppycock. Don't believe those narratives. They're fine. They'll be all right. They're a good team. Not Eli's fault. Hot Never take. Eli's fault. Hot take or just right. Um, that's a hot take. All right, that's fine. I'm I, just saying, you could trade for Eli. Uh, Dude, the, the New York football giants trading Eli Manning in week two. To the Jaguars. <laughs> to the Jaguars for a fifth round? I don't know. For what? I mean, no. Not uh, happening. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this about Jacksonville. If, let's say Nick then, Foles. Then the Jags would have 50 million plus another ninth. They'd have 68 million in essentially dead cap money at the quarterback position this year. Rim <laughs> shot. <laughs> Sorry. Let me ask you this. If, let's say Nick Foles misses eight to 10 weeks. And I think that's a fair. I think he's, uh, I mean, I don't think he's playing football for a couple months. No, no. I mean, it's a collarbone injury. I mean, we said, we've seen, uh, Tony, having to Tony Romo. It's the left, not the right, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Right, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers broke both clavicles and the return time was fairly reasonable for each one. My, if, if, if he misses eight to 10 weeks and the Jaguars and Doug Marone and Gardner Minshew are able to float in the realm of 500 and look competitive on defense and don't give up, does this injury buy Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone an extra season? I think Tom Coughlin can probably, in the role he's in, stay if he wants to stay, go if he wants to go. I can't fathom. If, I mean, like, how do the weeks play out? Like, are dudes getting ejected from the game in the, like, two quarters into the season <laughs> and then needing to be dragged off the field like James Brown off the stage, going back for his cape, going back for his cane? Like, did you see that? Yeah. Miles Jackson. What effing planet am I on, man? Yeah, like, Look, I'll just keep going back to this. When the owner has to put out like a three-paragraph statement an hour after the season ends explaining why he's not firing every, anybody, he probably should have fired somebody. Hey, the so oh, they're right back where they were, brother. Like acting the fool, selfish behavior. Like what was that, man? Like, And between the guys they still haven't paid yet and the guys who – Clay's Campbell, like this can't go on forever – Good luck, Jacksonville. They um, should have torn it down last year and restarted with a young quarterback all the way up. And they'll eventually get there. And maybe that guy is Gardner Minshew. But, it, I mean, no Andrew Luck. Things seem to be setting up for him. I mean, who knows? I, I, could the injury become an excuse to keep everybody? Maybe. But I don't know how long that's going to keep working with that fan base either. Like, I, I, I mean – yeah, it's rough, man. Um, all right, the Browns. I think it might be even rougher for the Browns because Cleveland came into the season. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking. If you had asked, you ask anybody in Cleveland, like uh, Adam the Bull, who does 92.3, um, or Nathan Zagura, who does the Browns Daily. I, I asked them both. I said, "Listen, are you aware that anything worse than nine and seven, like, like I was like, would you consider nine and seven and no playoffs a disappointment? They're like, yeah, that's a disaster. If we go nine and seven and don't make the playoffs, I was like, all right, a I, disaster. Yes, that, that's how that's how people in Cleveland feel. And after the first week of the season, they're only down fifteen to thirteen in the fourth quarter, I think, or late in the third quarter, they lose forty three to thirteen, meltdown at the end. Um, yeah. I, it's a resetting of expectations. 
is there something that John Dorsey can do to fix this offensive line? Because Greg Robinson recently cut, was ejected for Hainsworthing somebody, yeah. probably going to face some sort of fine or maybe a suspension for it because you can't kick guys in the face. Um, yeah. And the offensive, Baker had no time against the Titans who have a good pass rush but not a great pass rush. This is a, this is a problem. Well, I, I mean, my sort of statement on the Browns all through the offseason was they're not going to talk their way out of the playoffs, but they might kill Baker Mayfield their way out of the playoffs. Yeah. And that offensive line, even when Robinson was in there before he got chucked, was not good. Um, it did trade a key offensive lineman for Odell. Um, I would have made that trade 10 times out of 10, but um, they've got issues there. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Look, anytime you can cut your left tackle before week one so you don't have to guarantee his termination pay or you know, guarantee his salary, knowing nobody else is going to jump in and get this cat and we're going to come back and we've already got a wink-wink with him to bring him back on the cheap two days later, you, you might not have a playoff caliber left tackle. Like That, that might be a sign <laughs> that that's a problem spot. I, I'm with you. I, I made the same joke on Twitter and people were like, uh, it's procedural. John Dorsey is using a loophole to make uh-huh. sure that, uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter. They still cut him and no one wants him. That means well, he, yeah, and he knew his value enough to know my best bet. My only chance, maybe my only chance to start is to come back here right. on their terms. Right. Without but, now having my, my, my salary guaranteed. Like he might not be the guy, you know, especially <laughs> expectations are high. And, you know, the rest of your offensive line might not be elite either. Besides Batonio, I mean, so I I don't know, man. Um, John Dorsey's a wheeler dealer. We got seven weeks till the deadline. I I think he does something. Is it as big and drastic as Trent Williams? I mean, it wouldn't be out of character for him, but um, I don't know. The price would be high. Um, Is there something else he can do? Maybe do they just keep working guys out and and developing somebody on the practice squad or something who – might not be awesome, but might be better than this. That's one of these positions. They'll be they'll be churning. Uh, they'll, they'll be Jason, churning. Um, Jason, Jason, I would argue that their next five games are couldn't set up potentially worse for them because they are at the Jets, who have a good a bunch of defensive linemen that can rush the passer. Um, the Rams at home, that's Aaron Donald. At the Ravens, they their defense looks awesome. At the 49ers, they got bodies up front too, and the Seahawks at home, and they just added to David Clowney before their week seven bye. That this is, I don't want to, I don't want to overreact to week one because they could rip off five wins in a row. It wouldn't stun me. I mean, actually, it would stun me. But I mean, they could get hot. They got Baker Mayfield. They got Odell Beckham. They had the bodies there. Is should Freddie Kitchens be worried about his job if this team? Well, is, I mean, uh, I just, well, God, God, my God, you are, you are, you're. Dude, what, did you did you eat like smoking hot oatmeal or something? What was your breakfast? You uh, were on fire. It was a, it was a, I, I, I kind of love it, but this is like no. Max Princeton. I, I, I wasn't mentally prepared for this. I have to go. We haven't chatted in a while. We haven't done this in a while. I and I did not have my game face on. <laughs> I just feel like body blow, body blow, haymaker. What? Now we're fired. We fired Freddie Kitchens. All right. Um, what, if, what if you cut Patrick Mahomes? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't mean like I don't want to put Freddie Kitchens in the hot seat, and I, I don't. You, think you Jack, just did. No, but I'm saying if like, would it be surprising to you if the Browns, given what we saw on, in Week One, and not not because like, not because it's like an overreaction to Week One, but their two flaws in Week One were exactly what those of us who have been questioning the Browns were worried about. Like, okay, they, I, I, I think you need to like. Five and seven step drops in your own end zone. Probably not. Not probably go to a quick pass game. Uh, maybe yeah. a little more tempo, a little more short right. pass. Uh, right. I think um, 
like between where they are right now and, and your hot take nuclear option of firing the head coach, um, Freddie Kitchens clearly has a lot on his plate. Uh, it's difficult for even experienced head coaches to run one side of the ball and manage, uh, in this case, a lot of personalities on the sidelines and a lot of dudes who seem inclined to lash out at the other team with their fist or their feet or whatever. Um, if, if, it, if this stretch you're looking at is as perilous as you think it may be, at some point in that stretch, would I tap Freddie on the shoulder and say, that guy Todd Munkin, uh, he should be an NFL coach right now, and he, he's a damn good play caller and um, maybe delegate? Yeah. That, to me, would be the, 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 the next step. And I don't think we're there at all now, but what, that did not look – that looked <laughs> – excuse me. That looked like a collection of plays to me yesterday and not an offense. Well, didn't seem like okie doke here to set something up for later. Didn't seem like an, a well calibrated orchestra. It seemed like we got nothing here, so let's throw it to the trombones. Okay, nothing, nothing. Let's throw it to the tubas. Nothing, nothing. Uh, let's try. Like it never really got going. Now, part of that is because the offensive line played a role in undermining things. I think part of it was Baker trying to do too much at times, and everybody, you know, Odell making his debut and all this kind of stuff happening at Freddie's first game and a lot of first and a lot of, you know, probably nervous energy. So I'm not going to go crazy about it, but Todd Munkin's a hell of a play caller. That's all I'm saying. Well, but Okay, all right, that's fine. And that is a fair response. I would just say this before we move to the next topic, that if Freddie Kitchens, within five or six weeks of his first, of his first day on the job, is being stripped of play calls, he's on the hot seat. I'm, I'll just well, he may make the decision himself. I sure. mean, he, I he, he, may, he may sure. be saying, okay, he should. take Todd. You know what I mean? He's got, look, he, but again, this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to fire Freddie Kitchens. I really like Freddie Kitchens, but I said before the season that my two biggest concerns were the offensive line and a first year head coach with a lot of bombastic personalities trying to call plays while also managing the game. Like this is how coaches get themselves in trouble in their first year. So I, I would, I, that's, that's the good that's news it. is I, I, suddenly I'm Cleveland Browns good cop. <laughs> you put like Todd Munkin should be coaching the New York Jets right now. Right, like they had him in the building, or people there wanted to hire him on the spot. Yeah. Didn't happen, but like he's more than capable yeah. of, especially with this group of dudes, taking that. Like the, the 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 problem would be if Freddie Kitchens just hired one of his like you know, Bamba buddies, drinking buddies, or whatever. You know what I mean? Who'd never been more than a position coach and never called plays in his life. And that's the fake offensive coordinator where you get the guy a lot of money and you get that title on his resume. So you set him up to make more money, but everybody in the building knows that cat's got no business having that title. And God forbid the head coach stops calling plays. We're all effed. And that happens a lot in this league. This is not one of those. Um, all right. Moving along. Let's, uh, excuse me. I got a coffee. Uh, oh yeah. Two, um, do you do you have an inclination as to who might get released by the Patriots for Antonio Brown? We do not want this. I mean, I am I am curious. And how I'm you, not even sure it's a pass catcher. I mean, they, their ability to juggle their roster on a weekly basis and players' willingness and want to come back. You know what I mean? And and the whole like, yeah, some other teams might want you, but I swear to God, we got a plan for you week three against this team, and we might not even sign you for two weeks. You know what I mean? Or, but like, you've got a thing here. It, it could be anybody. Okay. Well, the buy-in I, that Belichick gets, you know what I mean? It, it, it could be a D-tackle. I don't know. Well, so my a couple of buddies texted me we <laughs> last night, and they were like, 
I was like, Antonio Brown hadn't signed yet. And they're like, wait, what? Like, he might not sign. I was like, no, 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 no. This is Belichick being smart. You don't sign him. He can't play because it's, you know, you forgot the deal. Well, that's why they, I mean, Rosenhaus released it 30 minutes after the waiver wire close. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, literally, okay, so all transactions for the week end at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Yep. At, like, 4.45, he's got $15 million from the New England Patriots. So, like. Right. But, like, but. The, yeah. The, the, but the Patriots, Which also means he's not, he can't get his termination pay because he wasn't on the roster week one, right? So, there's no, that, that that's not, I mean, not that there's a whole lot of guaranteed, I mean, not that there's a, uh, a big base salary, but, I mean. Yeah, as a vested uh, veteran, it doesn't uh, matter. He wasn't on their roster week one. He doesn't come on their roster till week two. Oh, uh, so Belichick was like, look, I'm not giving you the week oh, one. I don't even know if it's – I mean, I don't know what he dictated or didn't dictate, but I'm like, it. that's sort of part of the reason why people are like, hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, well, how did this all come together? And, like, why not just wait till Sunday? You know what I mean? Like, the fact that it was like, bam, waiver wire's over. Woo, here we go. He's got it. It was like – Okay, well let's okay. Let's, let's dive into that because I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into an Antonio Brown podcast because we've done ninety five of those. Emergency. Yeah, you cornered the market on that. I know, right? We really hey, traffic. Can you I, get? You should get shut or what the hell? How much did he eventually go with? You should get them as a sponsor, whichever one. I, I, I don't shoot, shoot the uh, yeah the the. Helmet. Who did he end up going with at the end? Or we could get like uh, the Red Cross because it's an emergency podcast, right? Or like uh, or like a, get a get a little hospital to sponsor. Or his social media team. Maybe they want. Maybe they want. Um, you know, whatever, if they have a name or whatever, maybe they could. No, they might yeah. fire. They might get us fired. They AB's fired. backers, they might get fired. All right, all right, they're so, doing exactly. They're doing exactly what they're getting paid to do. No, I was saying they got him fired. Yeah, they did a great job. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Do, do, Sorry, I'm going for coffee number three of the day. You're fine. You're fine. Mondays um, are rough. Do Do you think there will be tampering charges filed by the Raiders or Steelers on the on the Antonio Brown? Steelers can't. The only team that could do it is would be the Raiders, in my understanding. And as of you and I talking right now, nothing's happened yet. And I don't get a sense from the Raiders that anything is happening. I think they just want to put this behind them. But there are plenty of other front offices waiting to see, like, if the Raiders do. Because, again, I'm not, I don't know what happened. You know, and I don't know that we'll ever know exactly how this all played out. But, I mean, suspicions were aroused, I believe, is the, is the phrasing I use on NFL Today. And, that was certainly the case. I mean, people around the league were just like, hmm, okay. Hmm. You, had, you had a story out, thir- like, in the 30-minute window for which, from when he was, like, he was released and he signed with the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, there, and there were people I talked to who, who you know, thought they were going to be in it. <laughs> like, from other teams who thought they were going to be in yeah. it. Yeah. And then, yeah. they were, and then they were called Drew And some were, you know what I mean, to an extent. But even people who were in it didn't think it was going to be wrapped up that fast. So teams like the Browns and Seahawks, for instance, maybe. And I'm not saying those are the teams. I wouldn't say the Browns. The other one, okay, I would. So the, I mean, the Seahawks have Tyler Lockett and uh, and DK Metcalf. I mean, of course they'd be interested. Yeah. And that's. I not- mean, the teams that I had heard the most from, and that I like. So yeah, I think that my column came out, and then like 45 minutes later, oh, it might have been like it four was done. I think I had because I, I had my column kind of. I'm like thinking, well, I'll, I'll find out. The most I could find out leading into the waiver deadline, you know what I mean, which is at four. So I think my my column came out a little before that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was hearing that everybody in the league thinks he's going to end up in New England, but Seattle is definitely doing their due diligence and is going to be in this to some degree. And Washington is definitely doing their due diligence. <laughs> and there's people who, you know, who I talked to are close to Dan Snyder, who are telling me he's definitely he's got some level of interest. Sure. Um, and then. 
There may I, I, there's probably at least one. There's one other team that I'm not like. There's, there's at least one other team. Okay. Not but, a liberty uh, to say. But if you're him, right? Yeah. And even if the money's a little bit different, I can understand going to Seattle. Like you could make the case, okay, Seattle would make sense. But it's also kind of you know what I mean, Pacific Northwest, like way way. <coughs> excuse me, way way out there. Um, and he might never get a chance. Like, he might never face the Steelers. Like, he wasn't going to go to Washington. The you know, quarterback situation is untenable. They don't have a left tackle. You know what I mean? Like, so unless Dan Snyder gave him his, you know, gave him the Oakland contract back, he's not going there. So all, all things being not even equal, all things being remotely close to equal, Bill Belichick was always sort of, you know, the the featured landing spot, and and nobody's surprised that he landed there, and it's reflected in that column. But the the haste. The length he went to to get out of Oakland, coupled with the haste with which this was all wrapped up and had a bow put on it, has people talking around the league. And the celebration with which he uh, rejoiced when the Raiders actually released well, him. All the different things he launched to try to get his, I guess, in his mind, emancipation. Yeah. I would, if I were the Raiders, I'd pursue wiretapping charges. Do you think it works out in, in, uh, do you think it works out in New England for him? Define works out. <laughs> uh, I mean, he last he last he plays a regular season game like that would be the low end of the bar, right? Yeah, uh, yes, I would. think I I think it will. Okay, I think he knows exactly what he's getting into. I, I think he knows, like even he must know. I've now you know done my part to blow up three franchises in five months. Yeah. Yeah, right? when, when when was week 17 last year? Six months ago? Five, I mean, Pittsburgh, right? And then the Buffalo thing, and then this. Like, I don't – I mean, he knows that's not going to play with Belichick. You know, Buffalo. when Belichick kicks guys to the curb, that's usually the end, the end. And, like, is he really – like, like would he really try this crap in Tom Brady's locker room? I mean, I don't know. Like, the, the other thing is if the – if. I was about to call him a young man. He's not a young man. He's, what, 31 years old? Yeah. If he really is in need of some help that goes way beyond football, then that's a whole different scenario, in which case none, I don't think anybody can, can guess or prognosticate as to his, his emotional and mental state and well-being and, and where he is in that regard. Mm. But if it is not something of, those, you know, of that nature, then I think he falls in line to a degree. Um, does he get fined a little bit along the way? Are there some bumps in the road? Quite possibly. But, like, I don't know that – I don't know. I, I, I was going to say I don't know that – I just – bet. I was going to say, you, well, you, you, you know, he couldn't do – you would think he couldn't do the stuff he did to Ben. But I, I think Ben's different than Brady just in terms of – you know what I mean? Gravitas and just sort of how he conducts himself and everything else. So, I don't know. I, I tend to think it, it works out pretty well. But I could who I, I mean who like honestly who, it, it, who the it, hell knows everything's on the table. All right, we've got uh, four minutes before you have to get out of here, so I'm going to let you say whatever you want to Pete Prisco about Lamar Jackson starting right now. I'm just going to say, you remember at the combine him trying to get everybody associated with CBS to like pile on to me about Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and how Lamar Jackson is a gimmick quarterback and. Like what an idiot I was for when that when they made the move to go up and get him. Say it could be a completely transformational moment for that franchise and perhaps the city. And and him thinking like him thinking that's just the most outlandish. Like I'm I'm on planet crazy. 
he and uh, he and Jamie Eisenberg have had some uh, fun at your expense over the uh, the Baltimore. Not really at my, well, it's going to end up being at their expense. You know what I mean? Like they're, they got they're they're chuckling about it, but they're just going to come out looking like idiots. But, but, but they are they are attempting to, as they do, stir as they do very frequently, stir the pot. Uh, with respect to your uh, takes on, um, on on Lamar Jackson in the wake of the draft is my and then and then I seem to recall like through the whole offseason as well Pete still being like team team Josh Allen like to the extreme mm-hmm and we're I'm doing a hit on on HQ uh, Sunday at 11 and for like, you know, I'm on, I'm talking to the guys off camera for like five minutes and immediately he and Eisenberg start jumping on me about, about Lamar. And I'm like, Pete, this is before like, you right? honestly think you think Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Right? Oh, you're, you're crazy. Of course. You're I'm like, you, you think Josh Allen is a better thrower of the football and a more accurate thrower of the football in the pocket and otherwise than Lamar. It's not even close. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, man, it took you like seven years to realize Russell Wilson wasn't a fraud. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what the over-under is for, like, at what point Pete Prisco will acknowledge he was ridiculously off base again on a quarterback. But, and I know it's just Miami or whatever, but I saw it all. You know, I, I saw how, how much he did with how little practice time last year. And if you paid any attention to the pieces they put around him in the offseason, if you pay any attention to anything that came out of that camp, if you spent any time around that team in the spring or the summer, there, they, what he did week one did not surprise anybody in that building. Now, is he going to do that every week? No, of course not. Nobody would. Even Mahomes couldn't do that every week. But their their offense is going to be an absolute beast for pretty much any defense in the league because it's it's. I don't know how you it. You have to continue to to devote bodies to the box because of all the looks that Greg Roman throws at you in the run game and because of the way they change mesh points and because of the way they work RPOs. And, and Lamar is, is so – he sort of has an innate sense to read that defense in a millisecond, know when to pull it back, and now he's more accurate and, and just more confident throwing the ball downfield because he finally got starting reps. It was Joe Flacco's team all of last year. He came in week nine in a week when he spent time in the hospital and didn't know if he was going to start or not and came in and saved their season and did it the way they, they had to do it. But he is a special athlete. He's a tremendous kid. And people can keep hating on him for whatever reasons they conjure up to hate on him, but he's he's going to be an incredibly productive player and they're going to be a beast to defend because they now have multiple guys who, if you put them one-on-one can just beat you. And this kid knows he can throw it 60 yards downfield on a dime and hit them. And it's going to be, I have issues. I've said it all, all, all season long. My concern with the Baltimore Ravens is I don't know who besides Matt Judon can rush the passer there, but the offense is going to be prolific. Uh, So you know what, you know what Lamar Jackson learning how to throw a deep ball reminds me of? It's uh, do you remember, you remember in uh, Happy Gilmore when? Happy learned how to cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just watched that movie with my kids. Like I hadn't seen it forever. It does not hold up as well as I thought it might. By the way, um, but yeah, I watched it with the boy. I promised him at the end of the summer I'd let. I probably shouldn't have let the seven-year-old turning eight watch Happy Gilmore. 
He was dying. Does that make over- me a bad parent? Probably. No, no I wasn't going to watch every. I want to know. I need to know if it holds up too. Uh, it uh, doesn't. None of them do. We saw like even the water boy. Like none of them. Like it had probably been whatever ten years, eight to ten years since I saw any of them, and I laughed like way like it was more infrequent than I thought. Oh no, that's disappointing. I don't need to know that. I mean, did you at least laugh when he punches uh, Bob Barker in the face? Oh yeah, yeah, but it was like it was it was weird because it was like man, I hadn't really laughed for like thirty minutes. You know what I mean? Before yeah. that, and I knew it was coming, and that's that's you know. You can't. I mean, the price is wrong. B. I mean that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. but you knew it's coming too. So like, it was funny when like. Yeah, but it was still funny. But like, honestly. Okay, you know, you want to know, you want to know, and I did not realize that that was Julie Bowen, like Modern Family, Modern Family. I did not, I didn't realize that she's from, she's from Baltimore. You'd think I would know, I've known that like back in real time that oh, the you know, the female lead in Happy Gilmore is from Baltimore, but I didn't. Uh, You know what? I think my Nespresso is broken. This is bad. <laughs> you know what '90s movie does hold up that you should watch with your uh, watch with your son? Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. It holds up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although that the the talking through the I got enough going on here right now. The seven year old talking through his butt would probably be a bridge too far. Oh my God, you're right. I'm not going to let Robbie watch that thing. Not, <laughs> Robbie, Robbie literally, like he he at least once. It's not it's not an official day at the Princeton household until I've been farted on. Until my head has been farted on. You like. He, yeah. thinks, he thinks bottom faces are hilarious. He climbs on my head and, and toot, or toots, I should say, toots on my head. Um, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, all let's right. get you out of here. You got to go do a radio hit. Thanks as always, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk. I, I like this Monday morning. Get like start off my week with jail. Monday morning fire. <laughs> Sponsored by Nespresso. Maybe, hopefully, if this thing still works a week from now or even later today. Let's do it. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you okay. tomorrow. Talk to you next week, Jason. Rock and roll. Thanks, buddy.